This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Why, hello there, everybody, and welcome back to the IPC podcast, also known as the Intergalactic Peace Coalition, and we are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com, but also you might find this episode and others on iTunes, Google Play, and StarWarsUnderworld.com, and this one in particular is going to be a great one, and we've got an awesome episode for you guys tonight. The Super Bowl just happened. If you didn't already know, um, I don't know what number the episode is on this. I don't know the uh, the Super Bowl number, and I don't even know who won. I think it was the Chiefs. I think. I can't remember. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a sports fan. Yeah, sports ball. Yay! But we're going to be talking about not the Super Bowl, but what came in between the Super Bowl. All the ads, all the trailers, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun because there was a lot of good stuff they gave us during this awesome game. So we're going to be diving into that pretty quickly. But before we do that, of course, if you're not familiar, my name is Ben, and joining me, as he always does, is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, how is it going? Oh, it's going super. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's been it's been a super week. Um, being a little sarcastic there, but this is probably the highlight of my week. I'll put it that way. There, there, there's been a lot of ups and downs. There's been a lot of weird stuff that's happened. Um, so to be able to talk about the Super Bowl, be able to talk about the trailers, be able to talk about the ads is a nice respite from reality. You know, work stuff, school stuff, relationship stuff, all of that just kind of goes by the wayside for the next little while. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited to be here. And uh, ready to talk about the results of the best part of Super Bowl 54. You're right that the Chiefs <laughs> won, and they made like a, a really cool comeback and stuff. But honest to God, I had no dog in the fight. I had no interest. There was there was nothing about it that I was really interested in, except for the stuff that was happening between the game. And that's that's been like the one constant in the universe for me for like the last 10 Super Bowls or something like that is it doesn't matter if the if the Falcons blow a 28 to 3 lead that turns into a meme that goes all over the internet it it doesn't <laughs> matter if you know the these players that are like 20 years old or something are winning super bowls now like it's it's some kind of ridiculous crazy crap but those stories don't matter as much to me as the super bowl stuff and even then if I'm being totally honest, it was the product commercials and not the movie trailers that really did a lot for me this year. Like, you had some stuff that was, like, 30-second spots for, for movies like Top Gun, Maverick, and Mulan, and things like that. But 
as a whole, it was more about the products than it was about the trailers, and that kind of surprised me this year. Yeah, there was some, a lot of good ads, and there wasn't as many, I would should say, interesting trailers. We're definitely going to get into them and talk about some of them briefly, some of them a bit more in-depth because there was more depth to one in particular I think we're going to really think. And then later on in the show, I think we're going to be doing a little kind of impromptu top five between the two of us because we've broken down our uh, all of our favorite ads into a big top five list. And we have some honorable mentions, as usual. And so that should be... Top five, top ten, top fifteen, something somewhere like that. Somewhere around there. Um, but before we get into that, and before we jump into the Super Bowl madness, I want to bring up something that I feel like we should cover. It's not related to the Super Bowl. It happened this week, and it was kind of a, a little bit of a update on something we talked about a few weeks ago. Of course, we, we talked about the fact that, uh, of course, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is the upcoming Marvel film. I believe it's coming out next year. I think it's kind of on the verge. It's still kind of in development, and they announced it back at D23, I believe, or maybe Comic-Con. I can't remember, but uh, that's been happening. Of course, director Scott Derrickson was attached to direct it again, and he was he did the first Doctor Strange, and then we got the news that he had left the project, and that kind of you know got everyone kind of in a tizzy about you know what's going to happen in this movie because you know I was one of many that was like this sounds awesome, awesome title, awesome concept, you know a Marvel horror film sounds pretty cool, and losing that guy you know could put the whole film in jeopardy. Well, we got some news recently from uh, Variety. Which, you know, they know we got this covered. They know what they're talking about, actually. They're not going to BS us. And they are reporting that none other than Sam Raimi of many, many, many classic films, including the original Spider-Man trilogy, is apparently in talks to direct the second Doctor Strange film, which is, I feel, a perfect choice. If you're going to go with the first horror-centric, you know, Marvel Studios film, why not hire a very prolific horror director in someone like Sam Raimi? So this feels perfect, but what were your initial impressions, Zach, upon hearing this news? Well, I mean, not even just his experience with, with, with movies like that, but just also the experience that he's got with Marvel having done three Spider-Man Absolutely. films. You know, he he's got the experience on both fronts. You're looking for something that's a little darker, grittier, more intense. Spider-Man 2 and 3 were definitely darker and grittier and more intense than the first one was. And then you also take a look at some of his other st- things that he's been a part of like Army of Darkness, Evil Dead oh, yeah. 2, like Evil Dead from 1981. Um you know, he, he's been a part of some really, really great pieces like that. Let me see what his writing credits are, if they're different from some of the other stuff that he's done. Evil Dead, A Fistful of Boomstick is a video game that he was a part of. <laughs> he was he was a series creator for Xena Warrior Princess. Really? I didn't know he was involved in that. That's crazy. He got Yeah, he got creator credit for that one. Going back to Darkman, Evil Dead 2. I'm just looking at his IMDb profile right now going, okay, so what else has he been a part of? Producer. He's been a producer of 79 films. What else has he been a part of recently? Yeah, apparently he's been doing a lot. Um, The Last of Us, Mm -hmm. The Shadow, 
Oh my gosh. Oh no. I don't like this decision anymore. <laughs> Rami was a producer on the movie Crawl. Oh no. <laughs> I hated that movie. <laughs> I got drunk at that movie because I hated it so much. Oh my gosh. Um. He was a producer on 2016's Don't Breathe, which I still have yet to see, but I've got the DVD for it, so I need to go and watch it. It looked really good. He was a producer on 2015's Poltergeist, 2012's The Possession, uh, 2009's Drag Me to Hell. Okay. So, I mean, he's got so the credits. Aside, aside from Crawl, he's got the credits. Yeah. I mean, aside from all that, he's Sam frickin' Raimi. And people know him as this horror guy, but they also know him as the superhero guy, the one that really, I mean, we've been talking about Superman, and yes, for those who are just tuning in, yeah, we uh, we were going to talk yeah. about more Superman, and we're still going to, we're going to continue with those, despite what some people might say and some people might want, um, <sighs> we're going to continue on with that franchise eventually, we're taking a little break this week, but we've been talking about Superman 1 and 2, and the fact that those films were pioneering superhero films back in the day. And I think the same can be said for the X-Men films, and the same can be said for Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. And regardless of what you say about the third one, you know, I think all three of them really set the standard for what we're seeing in the MCU and even the DCEU now. Um, so bringing him back feels just so good and such like a perfect fit. And also, you know, the, the added horror element, I think, could be a really cool wrinkle to this whole thing and kind of meshing together his real strengths. Well, it's going to be a delicate balance, though, because I, I don't know just how much horror you're going to be able to actually present on screen. It's probably going to have to be very specific and very deliberate camera work in order to maintain a PG-13 rating. Right. Because unless New Mutants gets an R rating, which I don't know if it's been rated yet or not, Unless that one gets an R rating, nothing in the MCU has been rated R. No, not yet. You, you've you had Deadpool movies that are rated R. You had Logan, which was rated R, but that was 20th Century Fox. You've got you've got nothing from the, the Disney Marvel that has been rated R yet, which traditionally most horror movies are. And then anything that falls into the PG-13 block most people tend to label them more as thrillers than horror. So it's going to be interesting to see where they're skirting that line and what kind of a Raimi touch they're going to put on it in order to in order to maintain that stability or integrity or whatever you want to call it. But I think the thing that I find most interesting slash funny is that one of the Spider-Man films actually makes reference to Doctor Strange when they're trying to name a um, one of the villains, yeah, there. Well, there's a scene in Spider-Man Two where you know, of yep. course, Doctor Doctor Octavius. I guess he's made his first attack or whatever. And you know, uh, J. Jonah Jameson, who just recently got entered into the MCU, um, is talking to one of his editors or whatever, and is like, "Oh yeah, we need the name for this guy." You know, I can't remember what the name first name he says, but then he says Doctor Strange. He says Doctor Octopus, and he's like, "No, that's crap. Give me another one." Doctor Strange, that's good, but it's taken. <laughs> Guy named Otto Octavius winds up with eight limbs. What are the odds? Hoffman! Yeah. What are we going to call this guy? Uh, uh, Doctor Octopus. 
That's crap. Uh, science squid? Crap. Doctor Strange. That's pretty good. But it's taken. Wait, wait, I got it. Dr. Octopus. Uh, but uh, I like it. Of course you do. Dr. Octopus. New villain in town. Doc Ock. Genius. Which is a, a subtle nod to like, okay, Doctor Strange may be in this universe somewhere, and we just haven't seen him. And then... Well, but that that's the thing, is if this movie is about the multiverse... Yes. Which is right in the freaking title, then... Yeah, there's probably a Doctor Strange in this other universe, and they they just don't show it because of legal stuff. Well, yeah, and also just the fact that uh, you know, Tobey Maguire Spider Man is probably out there somewhere still, you know, doing his thing. And I I still stand by the idea that if Sony wants to save their Marvel franchise, if they want to do something that actually maintains their integrity and stability, Morbius is not the way to go. No. You need a Spider-Man multiverse movie with Maguire and Garfield and Holland. I'm telling you. They, I believe you put, they almost put him in Spider-Verse. I believe they were trying to get tell me Maguire to do the Chris Pine part. Well, I mean, I'm not complaining. I still like Chris Pine. I I do too, and I think I think that being that as it is leaves the door open for hey, you can bring him back in a larger role or something because, you know, obviously Chris Pine dies pretty quickly. That that version of Spider-Man dies pretty quickly. Um I'm not even ruling out the possibility of the MCU accessing that. And being that this movie literally has multiverse in the title, who's to say they might not do that? Who's to say they might, you know, dip into the multiverse? And I'm not saying, like, you know, Doctor Strange and uh, Peter Parker, you know, Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker, is going to go on an adventure together. I'm saying, like, a cameo. Like, you know, Doctor Strange is, like, running through, you know, different portals and stuff like that. You just see him there, maybe. I don't know. Um, And maybe that would open up the idea of, like, having Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield. Bring them back. Get them, get them on the screen together. That would be amazing. Oh, so you're saying Maguire could become the new Stan Lee where he's just like sitting in a cafe and Doctor Strange runs by and he's like, what's going on? What the hell was that? <laughs> I'm telling you, it could, it could work. I mean, it's not impossible. And, and you just... have Sam Raimi who probably has a good relationship with Tobey Maguire already. He could convince him to come back. That stuff happens. Okay, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. No, no, I'm going far, way far ahead. I'm, I'm going crazy uh, here. Man, I've, I've set such high bars and such high hopes and expectations for stuff before, and then it just did not go the way that I hoped. And it just it, the way it fell flat on my face ended up getting me so disappointed that I just I don't set that bar for stuff anymore. I don't set it for Marvel. I don't set it for DC, especially. I don't set it for Star Wars. The only place that I've actually put that bar so far is the Star Trek universe. Mm -hmm. And that's not even with the movies. It's with the new shows. I have been gradually more and more impressed with what I've seen from Star Trek Discovery. And so far, I've enjoyed the nostalgia trip that I've been on with Star Trek Picard. Those, Those have actually been pretty high quality, and I have had fairly high hopes decently high hopes for each of them and so far they're living up to them but as far as expectations go of cinema i just 
I've learned that it's safer to not have any. That way you're more pleasantly surprised than anything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people go in with big expectations, and they can't be met. You know, it's just a, that's just the way it is. So, yeah, I'm learning that lesson, too, with that. Well, I had to learn that lesson the hard way a couple of years ago. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I hear you there. I, I, I you put there. a certain... I put a certain movie up on a pedestal expecting it to be all this and then some, and it wasn't. And after that happened, I was like, okay, lesson learned. I think being able to step back and look at certain things with just a smidgen of objectivity, a smidgen more than I had before, it actually does help kind of put things in perspective, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well... You know, there's a reason we brought this up. It's because it ties right in with our next topic. And it ties in with the Super Bowl trailers that we got. The biggest one of which was this really amazing um, Marvel Studios Disney Plus trailer. And I really no other way to put it because it it's for, features our very first look at the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and Loki, which are all coming Later this year, I believe it's uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldiers. These are coming in September or November, and then WandaVision is coming in December. We don't have a release date for Loki, but uh, I assume that's coming next year. But we have, obviously, these things have been filming because there's a lot of footage, and there's a lot of footage in this trailer. It's time. Wanda, welcome home. Vision residents. I'm gonna burn this place to the ground. I know you saw it live. What did you think at the top of your head? Well, I was a little confused at first, and then I was also a little surprised, and then I was also really, really happy. Because we really haven't gotten a whole lot from this universe since Endgame. Right. There hadn't been a whole lot that's gone on, save for maybe the 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 Romanoff spinoff, or whatever you want to call it. Right. I, I thought that was clever, Romanoff spinoff. <laughs> but um, <laughs> outside of the Black Widow trailers, there really hasn't been a whole lot that's happened in the MCU. And so we really don't have a whole lot to look at, think about, talk about, whatever. And this was our first opportunity at seeing all of that. And when I saw the shield, I was instantly thinking, oh, crap, this is a Falcon and Winter Soldier commercial. And then it cut to uh, to Vision and Wanda for a little bit. And I was like, oh, no, wait, this is a this is a this is a Wanda Vision commercial. And then it cuts to, to Loki, and I'm like, oh, no, wait, this is a, oh, it's an everything commercial. Everything. <laughs> like, it took me a second, which... I mean, obviously required watching it a second time. Like, thank goodness for DVRs where you can rewind stuff and go back and watch it again. Because going back through it a second time, like, I was able to see it without as much of a surprised face. And it was really, really interesting to see where they're trying to go with Sam and Bucky's relationship. To see where they're trying to go with Vision and Wanda's relationship. To see which direction they want to take Loki's character. Like, all of it was very, very brief, but very insightful and, and fun to look at. Yeah, and, you know, for me, it was, like, a lot of interesting footage that we'll get into in just a second. But 
the biggest takeaway for me was like just it looks like a movie. Like if it wasn't for the Disney Plus logo being at the end of it, like I would have suspected this was just you know the Falcon and the Winter Soldier the movie. Like you know, thing I've said something similar about this. You know, in regards to the Mandalorian. I feel like The Mandalorian really captured the look and the feel of Star Wars films, but just put it on a streaming service. And I think they're apparently doing the same thing here with the Marvel movies. But in the same token, I think The Mandalorian was this thing where we weren't really familiar with any of the characters. Like, there's no big cameos from any characters in the movie. We only see one planet from the films to compare it to. The rest of it is really new stuff. And so... That show could get away with a lot in regards to, like, the the budget and stuff like that, like, recreating certain things. This show is literally tanking characters that were in films just months ago and putting them into a TV series. And a lot of times, the jump from movies and TV shows is very obvious, and it's not very good sometimes. And even Marvel TV, as much as I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's a TV show. It is obviously a TV show. It has the budget of a TV show. This looks nothing like that. And I love the fact that, you know, we're getting these characters and it really feels faithful and a continuation. It feels like, okay, you need to watch this. This isn't some cheap, you know, spinoff. This is an actual continuation of where these characters went after Endgame. So you're saying that going from the big screen to the small screen doesn't work very well? I think it used to not work very well. I think when you it, you've if you'd done something like this ten years ago, it wouldn't look like this. It would look really cheap. I think now the fact that we are in this era where TV has been elevated and there's it's so much blurred lines, it's hard to tell like where the line even is anymore because TV shows look like movies. They they have the budget and streaming services are all the rage, and this is where we are now. And there there is no. You know, there is no t- and and to the point like used to be that TV actors used to be TV actors and movie actors, and if a TV actor went and did a movie, they never went back to TV like they did. Now it, you have tons of actors going back and forth doing TV projects. You know, you have you have all the actors from the original MCU coming into this, and you know that was unheard of a few years ago. So. I think that's the thing that I'm taking away is the fact that this just feels like a continuation and, and it's and it's not anything to do with, you know, it being TV or movies. It's all the same. Well, I mean, to go off of what you were talking about, The Mandalorian, you know, you you just use the example of Pedro Pascal. Right. For people that, people that are jumping back and forth between movie and television, you know, he was on Game of Thrones and then he was in a couple of movies, now he's on Mandalorian, then he's back to movies again. Like, he's jumping back and forth all over the place. He goes where the job is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the I think that's the perspective that people have to have now, is it's it's not really about the platform, it's about the job. How much are you getting paid for doing the job, and doing it right, and doing it well? Because mm-hmm. there are studios that have really, really good equipment, and they, they pump out really good original content, HBO, Netflix, Disney, you know, they're all doing original content now. And as long as they're paying you what you're worth, it can be just as worth the investment to do something on the small screen as it is on the big screen nowadays. Yeah, it's just a 
a different shooting schedule instead of shooting, you know, you know, two and a half hour ish amount of content, you're shooting, you know, six or eight or 10 hours, you know, which adds up a lot, but still, you know, and I've heard that from actors that, you know, sometimes they don't want to commit because it's, you know, a series and takes longer and it's, it's more arduous, but at the same time, it's still the same type of thing. And, you know, this is Marvel Studios making this. You know, it's it, there's no difference in it. It's, it's all the same. Well, and Marvel's got the budget for it, too. Like, I know that it can put a bit of a strain on you physically as an actor, but the biggest thing right now, in my opinion, in the industry is the paycheck. If they're, if they're paying you what you're worth for the amount of time that you're supposed to be working, then you go where the money is. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's totally a thing. And they're, you're paying these actors big time to do this. Oh, yeah. And to continue. Oh, yeah. And I don't know, like, how that works because, like, I know when they sign up for contracts, like, they're contracted into movie deals where it's several picture deals. But how do they figure, how can they weasel, weasel that out to make it into, like, streaming services? I don't think they can. I think... It comes down to, okay, now they have to re-sign them to a contract and get them to sign on the dotted line for a huge paycheck that they can come back and get, you know, you know, all these guys and, you know, do it and make it like the movies, which it is. I imagine that's where the Hollywood agents step in and offer their assistance and they start saying, okay... If they work this many hours on a movie set that equates to two and a half hours, then we can expect this many hours of work on a TV series that is 10 hours long. So prorated for what you usually get paid for television, blah, 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 blah. It should be X amount of dollars. Right. Something like that. That's kind of how I vision it going down, but I'm not really in the industry, so this is all... Pure speculation on my part. Absolute speculation. And let's do a bit more speculation about, like, what's in this trailer. Because yeah. there's a lot of quick shots, but we get a lot of stuff in there. So, you know, first things first, we've got Sam Wilson, a.k.a. the Falcon, who is now at least trying to be the new Captain America. He has the shield. He's throwing it. Gets a pretty good throw for someone who's not a super soldier. Got to give it give it to him. And, you know, we've we've got, you know, squirrel suits... Apparently, at least that's what that well, I'm calling them. Um, and there's guys fighting with guns. Seems very kind of James Bond esque, which is kind of cool. Um, of course, Falcon with his suit, and then you get you know, um, Bucky with a gun to Zemo's head. We got Baron Zemo back, Daniel Brühl, and uh, it never really dawned on me like how like Bucky would have a serious grudge against this guy. Like he would. Like Bucky's, oh, Bucky's going to have some serious problems with wanting to kill this guy and having to hopefully stop himself from doing so, or maybe not. Just because you fight with the Avengers doesn't mean you have their morality, right? And he, and I think that's why he's not Captain America. Is he? He is kind of still in this moral gray area of like he's still getting over yeah. the whole thing, and he has a lot of blood yeah. on his hands, and he has to deal with this. I'm not ruling out that. At some point, Sam Wilson could give up the shield and and, and be, and maybe or or maybe this. I think this series really could delve into, like, because he seemed very gracious in Endgame. He was like, "Okay, yeah, go, Sam, go get the shield and thing." I'm not so sure he will be in this thing. I think there's gonna be some drama between Sam and Bucky, and I think maybe it'll turn out that Bucky's maybe a little jealous of Sam becoming the new Captain America. And not getting the shield for himself. 
Or maybe he thought that they would be sharing the shield, and then Sam didn't take it that way, and now there's, like, this awkward tension between them because he's like, oh, I thought I would get to toss the shield, too. Right, and then you also have to add in the the, the wrinkle of, um, I'm forgetting the guy's name, U.S. Agent is going to be in yep. this. Uh, yep, that's where I was going next. Yeah, and then you have that. Neither of, yeah. neither of them are going to be the official Captain America, according to the United States. Yeah, so you've got... Because the, the government wants to control the narrative, and so they're going to put somebody in a position of power where they can control them and manipulate them, and they can't really do that with, with Sam or Bucky, so let's put in our own guy. And name him Captain America. So there's really going to be like three different caps in this movie at some point or another. Well, you have that one shot at like a football game. Looks kind of like the Super Bowl, but looks more like a maybe even a high school game. I'm not sure. But it's Captain America, but not Captain America. It's not Sam Wilson because it's it's a clear, very clearly a white dude in the suit. <laughs> And, and, uh, you know, he's cheering him on. He's got the shield and everything, and, you know, he's got his new Captain America suit, and it really feels like they're, you know, the government has somehow gotten the shield back because I guess technically they could claim it as American property. Like, they could say, yeah, we, you, you, you know, Captain America and all that kind of stuff, that belongs to us, and we're going to do that, just like they, you know, did with the Sokovia Corps trying to control the Avengers. They, you know... Or did they find... Some more vibranium. That's true. We because because um, Wakanda is now open to the to the world. Mm, I don't think mm. that's the case. I think the I think we'll have one shield, and that'll be symbolic of like you know they're gonna show up and probably forcefully take it from Sam, and that's gonna be a whole thing. But at the same time, you're you're right. It could be that uh, I don't know. Technically speaking, there's already like multiple shields in play because. Captain America had a shield, then he broke it, was broken by Thanos, then he then he went back in time and got another shield, and then gave that to Sam. So there's kind of already kind of multiple shields going around anyway, but they could just create another shield, like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I would have concerns with that is, does it devalue the importance of the shield to have that many of them? Yeah, I feel like they're going to say, like, you can't be Captain America, we're going to take the shield away from you. We're going to give it to this other guy. Or, and the whole thing is like them getting the shield back from him symbolically gets them the title of Captain America. Or gives Sam the title. That could be. That could be. Or America's favorite super soldier shows up, played by U.S. agent, and he's got a shield, but it's not the shield. Right. Because, I mean, if you if you remember from the first Avenger, Captain America's first shield was more of a prop. Yeah, it's the, you know, it was he, like the traditional, he, he, like, uh, for lack of a better term, like a, a medieval shield that he, yeah, he, more, he, he went more, in and freed Bucky. I think he had that one. More, more triangular in nature, and he had his cue cards on it, so he would just hold up the shield, make it look like he's being all patriotic and stuff, and then he's just reading off the lines. It's entirely possible that if they're trying to control the narrative and they're trying to to make him look like a big deal if they don't have the shield yet they could fabricate something out of some kind of other metal other than vibranium and he uses it as a way of asserting himself as captain america he's like oh yeah i'm totally captain america i've got the shield when in reality he doesn't well and what i'm wondering is like is this guy like us agent i don't know the backstory of us agent 
Um, but I'm assuming he's some type of villainous character who, and, and I, like the clear idea here is like you're gonna have a a guy who is set up to be Captain America and maybe he turns out to be a bad guy. Um, maybe they created the super soldier serum and this guy was given it and they're trying to like you know prop up someone, or maybe maybe he's just a dude and they just give him the suit and the shield and like hey go stand here and be patriotic and be like what Steve Rogers was doing back in the 40s during the war of the stage show, and they come out and you punched Hitler 400 times or whatever, and, you know, that was it. And maybe we'll find out that he was kind of a, a stooge, and maybe, maybe it's Zemo that's the real villain. He's kind of pulling the strings in the background. Well, I went to his wiki page just for some clarification, and it seems like he's a very decorated soldier hmm, okay. in, in the U.S. Armed Forces, and in the comics, he takes on the moniker of Captain America after Steve Rogers sets it aside so that he can report to a different division. He doesn't want to report to the States anymore, so he sets aside the name in order to... Let me see. The original Captain America abandons his costume and identity when ordered to report directly to the Commission on Superhuman Activities, feeling that Captain America had grown beyond the name's original role as a symbol of America during the war and not wanting to be tied down to a political agenda. Yeah, and see, there was... And he became nomad, I believe, at that point. Steve Rogers did, and kind of went off and did his own thing. And that's what kind of... It's kind of what uh, Infinity War and Civil War is kind of riffing off of, is that he kind of lays down the shield. He's not Captain America for a while. He's just kind of out being a vigilante and then he eventually gets the shield back and becomes Captain America again. But right. uh, So, obviously, the comics are going to influence this, and but I also like the political commentary, too, about, you know, governments trying to control things and, you know, doing shady things and, you know, uh, you know someone who, who deserves the shield. Sam Wilson was given it to it by Captain America. He is Captain America sim- symbolically, but... The U.S. government's like, no, 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 no. You gotta take a back seat to our man, um, U.S. agent. And I'm just, I'm vastly interested in like where this goes. I'm curious. Like, it gives us, it gives us a few more things to talk about and to speculate and think about and kind of project where the story might be going. Because just about any of this would be an acceptable storyline for a miniseries, like all of the things that we just talked about. Our possibilities. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And yet, the other possibility is that it's none of those things. And I, and I think that's one of the things that intrigues me so much about it, is like you said, it's a direct follow-up to what we know from the movies, but we get to watch it at home on Disney+. And we get to watch it weekly. Oh, you know, yeah. the, a new installment every week, figuring out what's going to happen next to our intrepid heroes. I'm probably more excited for any of these three than I have been for just about any superhero TV show in existence. I know that the Arrow just had a very dramatic finish, and I know that Supergirl is coming up on its 100th episode, but honestly, like, I'm nowhere near as excited for those types of things than I am for what the MCU is going to give us on Disney+. Plus. I am too. I absolutely agree. And so we got another part of this. We kind of went through the Falcon. It's kind of intermixed. We got all the Falcon and Winter Soldier stuff out of the way. 
now we've got some WandaVision stuff. And yeah. the WandaVision stuff is super interesting, even more interesting, because we're getting into this. We've speculated a lot about this, and it's straight up trippy. Like, I hope this is as trippy as it seems to be, because it's going to be fantastic. But I love the fact that we're getting this, and it's like totally riffing on old school sitcoms. We're seeing, yep, you know, the first part is like black and white. And it's very Dick Van Dyke, like totally, like down to like the layout of the furniture in the house, totally Dick Van Dyke. And then you go further, and it's the Brady Bunch, like is straight up the Brady Bunch, the staircase and all. And then yep. you get into the yep. 80s and 90s, and it's color, but it's more like Roseanne or Full House or like one of these 90s scums, which, you know, is very ironic considering that Elizabeth Olsen is in this show. And her sisters, Mary Kate and Ashley, were in Full House. We're in. We're like child stars of like '80s and '90s sitcoms, uh, bringing it full circle. Kind of crazy. Well, I mean, uh, part of me kind of wants to see like a cameo. <laughs> that would be amazing. It really would. Like get the get the sisters on there for a Full House cameo on Wandavision or something like that. <laughs> but it was it was the. It was the Brady Bunch staircase that got me, dude. I was like, is that, that's the, that, what, what? <laughs> like, made me stutter, made me do a double take, maybe rewind it 15 seconds to go back and watch it again. Like, I didn't necessarily grow up on the Brady Bunch, but that house, that layout, that staircase. It's iconic. It's very iconic. And so, it's interesting to see that, you know, it's possible that because of her, um, her connection to the time gem that maybe there's a little bit of time travel involved. And that's why you're seeing these different themed houses and realities. And it's also interesting to think about their relationship, you know, the, what could have been. And I, I really don't know what to make of this. Like there's, there's not really a whole lot to go off of. There's not a whole lot of, you know, potential villains or, or antithesis of the show. There's not really, like a a particular direction that it looks like it's heading. All we know is that you're you're going through these different sitcom realities, and at one point she answers the phone and says "Vision Residence" when she answers. Yeah. Like there's there's pretty much that's that's pretty much it, and so there's a lot that's still out in the open, but uh, there's there's still a lot to take in as well. Yeah, I... because. She goes through, like, a half dozen different costumes in the span of, like, ten seconds, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. Like, it's ballistic, like, how many things she goes through and how many looks she goes through. Well, and, and it's, like, sensory overload, if I'm being honest. It really is. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so intrigued by this is because I have no idea what the hell is happening. Like, it's so insane. And I think that's what this show's going to be. I feel like, I don't know, they haven't like gone I feel like it's pretty clear like the plot of winter like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier you know Sam Wilson trying to become Captain America there's drama they try to take the shield away blah 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 we know where this is going this is just a wild card in regards to like what could be happening here and I feel like a lot of the show may be just that it may be like trying to figure out what's going on and there's there's one moment where later on where you see her with vision and she's kind of like leaning backwards and she's in color, and then even Vision and everything else is black and white. 
And I feel like this is going to be, I don't know, maybe she's kind of trapped in some kind of, like, mind prison, for lack of a better term. And maybe there's a villain kind of manipulating this. Maybe it's her. And she's kind of in this, and she's kind of created these different realities. And and maybe, maybe she gets close to, like, figuring out a way to get out of it. And that's why she starts, like, turning color. And she's got, like, modern clothes on there, too. Well... One thing is is for certain. This is Elizabeth Olsen's show. Oh, yeah. Like, the attention that they paid to her over Paul Bettany in this entire trailer just kind of lets you believe and understand that a majority of what goes on here is stuff that is pertinent, really, to Wanda's character. Yeah. To Elizabeth Olsen and Be- her acting career Be- and her credits. Because Vision is dead. <laughs> He's dead at this point. Um, so, like, and it's interesting that he's not in, like, his, his human form. Like, he's in vision form, um, which is interesting. Like, he's full robot, and, you know, I don't know what that means. I don't know what the implication is there. And I don't know, like, you know, is there a way for him to come back, or is this is this fully in the sense that he's just in her mind and he is still dead, and he will continue to be dead. Well, uh, I had a thought, and then I lost it. <laughs> I know that feeling. Jeez. <laughs> had a thought, and I was ready was to say right it. right there, and then it's gone. Well, I, and I was waiting. I was being polite. I was waiting for you to finish your thought, and then I was like, well, oh, um, uh, uh, dang it. <laughs> oh, um, I think it had something to do with Vision, so it'll probably come back to me eventually. But I'm looking forward to having both of them back. They make a good team, and that that is one thing that we saw a little bit in Infinity War, was that the two of them, when they teamed up together and they were investigating things, they were working on things together, they worked well together. Oh, yeah. And so... is Has it been confirmed that this series is meant to take place after Endgame? I... I don't think that's been stated. I think that's been an assumption. So, so my my train of thought is, it's it's possible that this could be stuff that leads up to Infinity War. Possibly, I feel I feel yeah. like being that this is kind of a dream world scenario that we're meant to believe this is after Endgame. Oh, okay, here's the deal: it, there is been kind of a back backwards confirmation this is after Endgame kind of because it's supposed to tie in directly with Multiverse of Madness. Oh, uh, okay. But that still I mean, that, that still doesn't rule it out. And being being well, things as it may, it could be there could be time travel involved too. We could be dealing with something along those lines too. You could be right. Well, yeah, I mean her connection to the Time Stone I think definitely influences that. And then being in the multiverse means that there's plenty of opportunities for you to see vision just in a different context right than the universe that we're used to and then she runs into that moral and ethical dilemma of do i keep him do i send him back you know if i send him back then i don't get to be loved or whatever there's still some interesting tensions going on there to to make you think and make you wonder about it for sure this may be in a way a way of kind of exploring her character. I'm not I'm not ruling out the idea that Petro could show up. That uh 
that her brother couldn't make an appearance here. And I think maybe this is a kind of a test on her part to have her let go of Vision and her brother and kind of move on. So let's talk about the idea of the of the Vision residence when she answers the phone call yeah, real quick before yeah. we go to the Loki series. What did you make of that? Because, like, apparently Twitter is kind of abuzz with this I- idea of saying uh, Vision residence. Apparently, a lot of people think that there's, like, not just a double entendre, but a triple entendre oh. by answering it that way. Oh. I've heard the idea that she has taken his name, basically, Vision, and used it as her their last name. And mm-hmm. she is literally WandaVision, um, which right. would make a lot of sense. Right. And then this ability to see in different realities the dick van dyke reality the brady bunch reality the full house reality means that she has insight into the past which means she has vision right you know yeah wanda vision but then there was another one just as someone pointed out to me that the vision in wanda vision isn't actually a reference to the character but a play on television since Wanda is surfing through different eras of television. Television. There you go. That's so interesting. So it says, I've been, I've been saying this. Since the premise was announced, I've always thought it was a triple entendre. Introducing the MCU now in glorious WandaVision. <laughs> Guys, Wanda Vision Residence is her last name. Wanda... Vision. So it's so it's a it's a triple entendre. Here it is. Wanda Vision Wanda's Visions and then Wanda and Vision. Like the character Vision. Right. So there so it's a quadruple entendre? And I I also I think I also think it's meant to say that we're seeing it we're seeing a world through her eyes a la right. Wanda's vision or right. or this is literally a vision she's having like she's at the end of the show she's going to wake up from this and realize it was all some kind of warped dream and we will have literally experienced Wanda's vision oh that's trippy I don't know if I wanted to think about that or it could be something completely different or all those things combined <laughs> or none of those things at all none of them yep <laughs> That, that's it a could tie, be everything. Absolutely a Or nothing. <laughs> nothing or everything or nothing. Oh, well, let's talk about yeah. Loki. Let's talk about Loki. Yeah. We, we don't have much to talk about here, really, truly. We only get one shot, and it's Loki saying, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Of course, way better, sounding way better because it's freaking Tom Hiddleston. But, uh... The uh, fun fact about this is the fact that uh, the jumpsuit he's wearing has the initials TVA on it, and that that apparently stands for Time Variance Authority. And uh, so somebody may have captured him. Maybe they saw him, you know, jumping through portals and stuff like that, and doing weird stuff with the thing. Maybe he got caught doing it, and maybe I don't know. For the first time, I'm thinking maybe this could be some kind of like breakout scenario where he's kind of had to like uh you know escape from prison or whatever or some kind of you know time prison or something i don't know 
Well, that's that's kind of essentially what it is, because looking at the wiki again, which is, you know, 100% accurate. And Absolutely. Whatever, uh the Time Variance Authority is a fictional organization, a group of timeline monitors appearing in Marvel Comics. They first appeared in Thor Volume 1, number 372, in 1986. The TVA paid homage originally to longtime Marvel writer, editor, and continuity expert Mark Grunwald. The TVA staff were all Grunwald's clones. Oh, wow. Okay. So they claim responsibility for monitoring the multiverse and can prune timelines if they're deemed too dangerous to exist. Wow. Uh, something Hold just on. occurred to me. Some... Hold on. Go ahead. Hold on. Did you get that? That I had to read that a second time to get that. They can monitor the entire multiverse, and they can prune timelines deemed too dangerous to exist. Damn. The TVA has the authority to look at the timelines that exist in the multiverse and cut the ones that are too dangerous to exist. And we know that Loki, this version of Loki, is from an alternate timeline. Is from yep. the you know, the alternate universe where you know, Loki didn't get captured. He didn't go back to Asgard and get captured. He kept going and you know escaped with the time with the uh, space stone so maybe this is their way of like okay we're capturing you and keeping you here so that uh you know you don't screw up anything further oh man this is interesting and see what's interesting what's also really interesting is the idea that freaking owen wilson probably is in this show and what i'm thinking is what if he is that guy that cloned himself. What if it's oh, a bunch the, the, of Owen Wilson clones policing the multiverse? Well, okay, so here's the other thing. is Apparently, some of the lower-ranking employees, the deeper I read this wiki article, the more trippy it gets. The low-ranking officials that they have are apparently uh, faceless. Really? They're called chrono monitors, and they are literally faceless. They are created artificially using quantum technology... The moment a new reality appears, a faceless agent is then created to also monitor it, along with the necessary equipment to do so. Cloned managers resemble Grunwald, later Tom DeFalco, both of them Marvel Comics writers. The most frequent recurring manager is Mobius M. Mobius, a Grunwald clone. Interesting. Oh, Oh, this is where Owen Wilson may come into play. Listen to this. On occasion, the TVA hires mercenaries for use in the more dangerous missions. These mercenaries often lose limbs, which the TVA then replaces with clunky robotic parts. (laughs) Oh, wow. The more I read about the TVA, the more interested I become. Like, if the TVA is heavily invested in... Loki and what goes on in his show, then I am suddenly very vaulted in my interest. Because not only are they monitoring timelines, but they're monitoring people that are jumping between different realities as well. Yeah, and also from what I've heard that Loki is supposedly going to have been like jumping through like different time periods. The thing that I keep coming up, I don't know where it comes from, but the idea that like maybe, for example... 
He was there for Kennedy's assassination. He was there when Abraham Lincoln did the, you know, uh, his speech. Like, different things. We'll see him pop up at certain points in time in history, and then eventually, I guess, he'll get caught, and, you know, and these people will kind of take him on and go, no, 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 you've done enough screwing with history. So the funny thing is, there's something not too dissimilar to that in the um in the in the Star Trek universe. Okay. There there are these people that that monitor what's going on and they they call it the division of temporal affairs or something like that. Okay. And they they monitor with the uh the keeping of the timeline, the the preservation of the timeline so that if you do end up accidentally time traveling, you don't do anything that ends up significantly altering history. Right. And so one of, one of the things that they talk about is this idea called the Temporal Prime Directive. And I feel like that's kind of what the Time Variance Authority is, is looking at, is any violations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of the Temporal Prime Directive. Yeah, and, you know, it, and being, being that time travel literally was just created in this universe was just discovered mm-hmm. i guess by tony stark um you know maybe that or i don't know considering how time travel works maybe they were always there <laughs> maybe maybe these people they were policing time travel have always been around and you know now that time travel has been discovered now they have to step up and actually do their job right now they have to actually do something uh according to the Star Trek Wikipedia, they say that all Starfleet personnel were strictly forbidden from directly interfering with historical events and were required to maintain the timeline and prevent history from being altered. The directive also restricted people from revealing too much about the future so as not to cause paradoxes or alter the timeline or create new ones. There you go. So that's essentially what I feel like the TVA is created for doing in the MCU and Loki's pretty much breaking that temporal prime directive. He's altering history. He's changing events. He's creating new spin-off timelines possibly. And the TVA has to, has to intervene, try and stop him from doing that. So the, the statement that he's going to burn this whole place to the ground actually has much bigger implications now because if that's the kind of power that the TVA is capable of wielding, what kind of chaos do you feel like could ensue by taking down the entire organization that monitors all of time and space for every universe known to man? Yeah, and see, here's another thing to remember here. This is not the Loki we saw in Infinity War or even Thor Ragnarok. This is not the developed Loki that has, you know, come a long way and was willing to literally sacrifice himself to try to stop Thanos um and try to save his brother. He's the still the kind of the homicidal maniac that thought he could attack Earth and take over the throne. Like this is a guy that uh you know, he doesn't have all that development and he's in a place where who knows what he wants to do? What you know? What kind of shenanigans he he wants to? You know, if he could, if he thinks he can somehow control time and space, or just wreak havoc for the heck of it, like he might do it. It's entirely possible. Because yeah, you're right. He's basically the Loki that we know from the 2012 Avengers movie. 
So he's he's been beaten once, and he's hell-bent on revenge. He's trying to figure out what he can do to get back at everybody for all of this. And what better way to get back at the people that wronged you than to figure out a way to alter history so that they never exist in the first place? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, you know... I, I I'm just curious, like where's this gonna be? What's he? What's his goal? What's he trying to do? You know, what's gonna be the excuse for? You know, obviously he's kind of mad at Thor. He doesn't want to go find him, and who knows where Thor is at this point, or you know when in time he is. Um, I don't know. It's gonna be. I, I think this show has like Wandavision. It's such a wild card. It could be really interesting because, uh, you know, we don't know where it's gonna go. Ooh, boy, all of that from one one minute trailer <laughs> everybody else could have just saved their money we don't need them we don't need any of the other trailers that, that was enough <laughs> i mean that's that's probably the deepest speculation that we're going to give on anything that we saw from the super bowl like that was probably the most jam-packed thing that i saw uh the entire super bowl the only other one that i saw that had like this consolidation of funding kind of like what disney just did with with putting all three teasers into one trailer was this um, Procter and Gamble commercial. I think that's what they're called. Procter and Gamble. I think that's what they're called. Probably where they take all of their different um, products and they put them all together into one, uh, one commercial. And let me see. Uh, this isn't going to be one of my favorites, but this is this is a, an idea. Uh, yeah, Procter and Procter and Gamble are like the corporate office that oversees a lot of other companies, mostly uh, consumer and cleaner products. So things like grooming, hair care, fabric care, uh, skin care, that kind of thing. And let me see a uh, p- list of Procter and Gamble brands. Uh, they are overseers for things like Dawn, Joy, Gain, um, Tampax, Braun, Crest, Metamucil, Oral-B, Pepto-Bismol, Scope, Vicks, Febreze. Joy, Mr. Clean, Loves, Tide, uh, Cheer, Downy. Let me see what else have they got. Olay, Old Spice, Secret. Like they they they're overseers of a lot of big uh, hygiene products and things like that. And there was a commercial for Procter and Gamble that happened at somebody's house where they had all these different issues that came up and was like oh you need dawn dish soap to get that out oh well we need bounty tissues to clean it up and they're like oh we need to throw it away in this particular trash bag or this hefty trash bag or something like that and it was like all of these different brands and these different characters like the puffs teddy bears and mr clean and people like that were all coming in and helping take care of whatever this mess was and it oh, felt yeah. almost like the cleaning version of the Avengers starting to assemble a little bit. <laughs> and then at the very end, the very, very end, they put up the Procter & Gamble logo, and you're like, oh, 
they're in charge of all of that. So rather than doing a Mr. Clean commercial, rather than doing a Bounty commercial, rather than doing a uh, a Puffs uh, Tissues commercial or a Charmin commercial, they just put all of those products into one commercial. So all of their marketing budget pushed all of those things together, put all of those different characters and products together, and they paid for one Super Bowl spot rather than multiples, and you still got to see all of the products that they wanted to present to you. I need one of those gifs of that guy you know, tapping his forehead. Genius. Genius. Smart. Yep. Yep. Like, mmm. The, the... The, the the black guy that taps his temple. <laughs> right. or, yeah. Or or DJ Khaled, you smart. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's like the some of the more meta commercials have said is like Super Bowl commercials are not cheap. No, they're not. Su- Super Bowl ads are not cheap. Like it's ridiculous how much you're spending for 30 seconds of airtime or a a hour uh, not an hour a minute 30 seconds or a minute that's really all you got right. but um just according to NPR which is a pretty reliable source um it's saying that a 30 second commercial during this Super Bowl cost million dollars wow that's a that's a lot of money for a tiny bit of airtime 30 seconds one 30 second commercial one 30 second commercial during the course of a two or three hour long broadcast but i mean you're talking about the biggest television event probably on the planet you know, every single year, the Super Bowl, like it's worth it. And also, you know, a lot of these ads, they come out well before the game. They're on YouTube. People are talking about them and sharing them about. And a lot of them that I saw well before the game even started. So it's a big thing. It's a big investment. But like if they create a good enough ad, people are going to talk about it. A la Disney. They, they got, yep. they got their money's worth, at least on the IPC podcast. Same prescription. Yep. But we do have a few other of these trailers. We can't go through all of them. We don't have time. We don't have all night. Um, But there was a few of them that I think stood out. Which one kind of stood out to you the most, Zach? Because we did get a couple that I think you might like. Yeah, there were there were a few that kind of stood out to me. But like I said, it was it was more the the products and the uh, celebrities that they had endorsing the products. Those were the ones that were the most surprising and most interesting to me. I I was intrigued by some of the action shots that we got in the in the Mulan teaser. Yeah, it looks good. Um, I was intrigued by what I saw from the Invisible Man. I really hadn't seen a whole lot from the Invisible Man yet, and it's like a more modern take on a classic black and white film. Right. Uh, I'm I'm curious about that one. And then probably my favorite one is the one that I'm just most hyped about in general. We talked about this when we were talking about our top five movies that we're most anticipating of 2020. 
they had a little teaser for A Quiet Place Part 2. And it looked like it's going to be like a, a, a sandwich film where you're having flashbacks about stuff that happens before the first film and you're going to have like a present that's happening after the film uh, the, the first film takes place. And so we're still going to get some John Krasinski in there with the flashbacks and we're still going to get Emily Blunt taking her kids to, you know, some other place and figuring out how to live and survive there. And, uh, it ain't easy being a single mom of three. So especially it, after the apocalypse, right? It's it's an apocalyptic parenthood, which, you know, sometimes being a parent feels like the apocalypse to begin with, but now you're doing like an actual parenting during an actual apocalypse. And so props to Emily Blunt's character, man, geez, Louise. Yeah. But I think those were the ones that I was most, most interested in. And I, I'm kind of like mellowing out on black widow. I know that I'm going to go see it. I don't need any more material on it. And I know that the only way I'm seeing something like Sonic the Hedgehog is if I'm seeing it with a couple of friends (laughs) and maybe a few drinks and maybe a few drinks. And I also know that there's no way in hell that I'm ever going to go watch the SpongeBob sequel. Yeah, not so. not even not even Keanu Reeves in a burning bush will get me to go see the SpongeBob movie. I'm sorry, no, it's not. It's just it's not going to happen. I I I never really watched a whole lot of SpongeBob growing up. It's not part of my life. It's not part of my culture. It's not part of my identity. I, I have no interest in it. I would be more in. I'm, I would probably be more interested in going to see the Bob's Burgers feature length film than I would be of going to see the SpongeBob feature length film. That's just where I'm at in life. Yeah, I feel you there. I feel you there. Yeah, and I, yeah, going off of that, like uh, I agree, Black Widow. I haven't been super enthused about. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go see it, and, and it looks better. Didn't get a whole lot of new footage in the TV spot that they gave, so you know it wasn't wasn't anything really to talk about um i agree mulan looks really good quiet place you know not to be said no time to die that's getting me hyped i'm i'm really looking forward to that one um and i will say one that that i'm unexpectedly impressed by um is one that i haven't seen the first movie top gun i've never seen the first top gun but top gun maverick I will say, looks really good. Like, and it doesn't look like like all CGI like jets. It looks like real jets, real jets, practical effects. You know, no, it's it's it look it looks all real and it looks really cool. And there's some interesting environments. So like, if nothing else, visually it'll be stunning. And I mean, yeah, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, he's a nut job, but he's a damn fine actor. He is. He is credit where it's due. He's a, he's a good actor, and he usually takes on projects that he feels are worthy of his time. And so, whatever the story is that's being told here, he obviously thought that it was worth his time, which is why he joined on with the project. Like I get that, I get all that, but I'm with you. I never saw the first Top Gun film, which is probably why this one isn't standing out to me as much. Uh, to me, my favorite flying movie is going to be um, Flyboys. Oh. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of it yeah, or ever seen like it, but it, it's got kind of a cliche storyline to it. Like I could predict the plot super, super easily, but it didn't make it any less enjoyable. And it's, I think it's about some American pilots that are stationed in France during World War One, and they're using, like, the old biplanes for battle. And um, 
they're they're trying to protect that airspace from the Germans. There's one particular thorn in their side that's been taking out a lot of their planes and stuff. And so some people get PTSD from the dogfights, and some people are really bummed about the way things have turned out. And it's just, it's fascinating to watch, not only for the action and the character development, but I think there's also just a wee little bit of nostalgia attached to that one. Oh, yeah. Because that might have been, might have been my first um, PG-13 movie that I ever watched. Really? Yeah. Took wow. me a while before I saw movies like uh, like Braveheart, which is rated R, mm-hmm. before I saw movies like Stand By Me. I'm pretty sure that's rated R. My dad was slowly introducing me to some of his favorite movies at the time, but he wanted to gauge what my tolerance would be, and he thought that uh, Flyboys would be a good way to kind of test the waters a little bit. And I'm pretty sure I saw that movie before I saw Revenge of the Sith. Wow. So this was – I may have my timelines all wrong. I kind of want to look up this movie now just to make sure I'm not talking out of my butt. But um, <laughs> I hear you there. Um, wow, Franco was in this movie? I don't even remember James Franco being in this movie. That's crazy. Uh, he's, he's all over the place. No, this movie came out in 06, and Revenge of the Sith came out in 05. So, I guess I saw Revenge of the Sith first, because I saw it in theaters. That might have been one of the first PG-13s I ever saw. Was I guess was this was that. the second PG-13 movie I ever saw. I don't... I don't know anymore. Huh. I... I I, f- I feel very conflicted about this. I'm like, I had a really great anecdote, and then I just do one quick IMDb search, and it's like, ah, no, your story's crap, Zach. Go sit in the corner and think about what lie you just told. Don't don't research on the show and destroy your own point. That's your lesson for tonight. Oh, man. Okay, to bring it back to movies then, quick recap of the different TV spots that we got. We got a Black Widow spot. We got a Mulan spot. Quiet Place Part 2. No Time to Die. Top Gun Maverick. SpongeBob. Sponge on the Run. The Invisible Man and Sonic the Hedgehog, those were the ones that we can recall. There may have been another one or two that we were just like, eh, and didn't even want to give reference yeah, or, 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 or the those. review site that I got the information <laughs> from may have not been thrown. In that case, it ain't even our fault. Right, right. It's CBS's fault, or it's We Got This Covered's fault. Uh, I don't go to Wick- Don't put that on me. I do not go to We Got This Covered. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> well, which one of the ones I just listed <laughs> stood out to you the most? Um, The biggest one for me. You know what? I'm going to say Invisible Man. That one continues to intrigue me and continues to like, I got to see this movie because it looks really good. Really? Whole... You're going to go watch a rated R movie. Ben Hart's going to watch an R rated film. Well, look, I just I just saw 1917. That was rated R. I, I'm not. I. I look. Okay. I am post okay. f bomb, sir. 
<laughs> For those who don't know, we had, there was a wild night, and I, I said the F word. And, you know, back <laughs> in California. Times. Multiple times. They, they, they gunned me to it, and I did it. So uh, I'm a changed person, and I oh. go see rated R movies now. <laughs> we had an awakening in Ben. He's a new person. I'm telling you. He officially experienced, wait for it, a renaissance. <laughs> Can you hear me face palming? Can you hear it? <laughs> yes. Oh, jeez. A renaissance. Ladies and gentlemen, he's enjoying this way too much. Way too much. Oh, that's officially my favorite part of the evening right there. <laughs> and with that, we're going to take a quick break. And on the flippity flip, we're going to talk about the commercials that we watched in general that were some of our favorites and do an impromptu top five right here on the IPC podcast. Don't go anywhere. What the bleep? This is IPC. IPC listeners, this is Joey Mays, intergalactic patron and promoter of my family business, Mays Sandwich Shop. We are proud to be supporting IPC and the endeavors of young, talented individuals like Zach, Ben, and Jake. Should you ever find yourself in the area of Reading, Pennsylvania, be sure to stop by Mays Sandwich Shop. Started by my grandfather in 1947, currently owned by my father and operated by my sister and me, May's Sandwich Shop has been serving delicious food to the greater Westlawn area for over 70 years. If you ever do visit, be sure to tell them IPC sent you. back with our Super Bowl discussion here on the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. I'm Ben, here with Zach. <laughs> Wait. Flip that. Strike that. Did you do that on purpose? I, wanna, no, I, I want to believe you did that on purpose. <laughs> I honestly didn't. <laughs> and I didn't even... I didn't even have any happy juice. Like, this is just all me. I was going to let it go. I was going to like, okay, is he just going to not realize he's going to go over it like it didn't happen? <laughs> it's getting late, y'all. If you didn't already notice, it's late. That's the, that's the, that's the, the buzzword for we getting I'm, crazy. We getting I'm crazy. Just, I'm, I'm just assuming your identity now. I work at a barbecue restaurant in Mississippi, and... I can officially watch rated R movies now because I said the F-bomb in California two months ago. <laughs> You're going to have to pay attention to my, my Twitter after this is over. I'm just That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to have fun oh, with it. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get these names mixed up because they are the ones that help make this show possible. 
Joey Mays, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Parker Hott, and Carrie Fleming. You all have been uh, amazing contributors to the program for a good while now, and we appreciate each and every one of you. You help take care of our Podbean subscription so that we can have unlimited data to be able to post these crazy episodes for you guys and everybody else that listens to the program. If you're interested in becoming a partner on the IPC podcast, then go visit us at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. And be sure to follow us on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And follow our personal social media accounts while you're at it. Go find me at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. And go find Ben at Ben Hart with no E. Just spell it out like it sounds. Yep. All right. So this next segment is kind of an impromptu top five, if you will. But we're going to have several honorable mentions that we're going to list as well. Just because there was a lot of really cool stuff that happened during these Super Bowl ads. But uh, a lot of it really was more about celebrity endorsements and product placement and stuff like that. Right. More than it was about the trailers. The trailers, if I'm being totally honest, felt kind of meh this year. But I did get some laughs from some of the commercials and some of the, the celebrity appearances that we got in various contexts from the different products that were being advertised. Those were actually pretty well made. Yeah, yeah. I think they had a lot of home runs with the actual ads, which is something that I think has been a long-running thing. I feel like the whole putting movie trailers and TV trailers in at the Super Bowl has been kind of a a newer thing. I could be completely wrong there, but I feel like the the ads are like a mainstay, and they did pretty good this year, I have to say. Well, I mean... I think some of the, the cool stuff that happened was also some of the stuff that happened before the Super Bowl. Right. Like when Planters killed off Mr. Peanut during the <laughs> NFC Championship game the week before or something, and you're just sitting there for a whole week going, wait, what the heck? Or you're just sitting there going, why should I care? <laughs> also they killed that. off a fictional character. Fictional. <laughs> also, also that. Like, why am I emotionally attached to a legume? Like, honestly. But then there were also, like, commercials telling you to go vote for other commercials like what Geico did with Pinocchio and the Trash Pandas and the Woodchucks. They're like, these are fan favorites. Maybe go vote for them so that you see certain ones of them on the Super Bowl segments. Like they had different commercials ready to go and then let the fans decide which ones would end up on TV, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, fan interaction is always cool. But uh, the actual ads, I think, were really cool. And we've got our top fives. I think we also both have some honorable mentions we want to get to. Um, Yes. If you've got yours ready, by all means, list them off. Sure, sure. I've got I've got some I got some honorable mentions here. I, I went ahead and kind of did more or less like a top ten, if you will. Just because while I was watching the game, like I said, I didn't have any dog in the hunt, and so the way that I stayed engaged during the Super Bowl was ranking the commercials as they happened. Oh, okay. And they 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 weren't as good as like the Bud Light commercials last year that had the Game of Thrones dragons in them and stuff. Like, there weren't any that were that awesome, but there were some that were really clever and, and really entertaining. One of my favorite ones was um, 
the 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 Cheeto commercial that had "Can't Touch This" and they actually put MC Hammer in it. Yes. It's like, Can't touch this. Dun, 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 dun. And then they had a whole bunch of different celebrities working on the uh, the new Hyundai commercial about the car that parks itself. Smart park. The smart park. Yeah, you got to park it. The smart park. And it had like John Krasinski, and it had Big Poppy, and it had. Uh, this comedian whose name escapes me off the top of my head, but it had probably like three, four, five different celebrity endorsements in it. And I'm not really big on Hyundai, but I loved listening to their heavy Brooklyn accents. And then Boston's Big Poppy comes out, and they're like, oh, okay, we got to tone it down a little bit. I thought that was funny. <laughs> and then there was one for a, um, I think it was a Soda Stream commercial, where they're talking about how they found. Uh, water on Mars, and then this astronaut named Mark thought he s- says, uh, "Oh, I thought you said Mark's water," <laughs> and he basically just turned the the first discovered water on Mars into soda water because he thought it was Mark's water, and he put it in the show in the soda stream. <laughs> wow! I thought I thought that was funny, and then uh, another one that was rather subtle that I really enjoyed was the Audi commercial with Maisie Williams singing Let It Go. I don't think I caught this one. It was interesting. It's basically just Maisie Williams driving in an Audi singing Let It Go from Frozen. And I thought that this was really clever for a couple of reasons. Number one, you don't really hear Maisie Williams sing very much no. as Arya Stark on Game of Thrones. So it was a new wrinkle in her character. Number two, it was a very, very subtle reference to her Game of Thrones character because she played a northern girl. She was she was a noble woman from the north. Ah. And living that far in the north, her family's motto was winter is coming they were very prepared for the wintry weather, for the cold. And as she's singing Let It Go, they finish the Audi commercial with her looking into the camera, singing the last little bit, saying, the cold never bothered me anyway. <laughs> That's clever. I'll like, it, you, you really have to know you're frozen, and you have to really know your Game of Thrones to be able to get that reference. But it was just subtle enough to make you go, Oh, I get it. And that was pretty cool. Um, and then uh, my number did I did I do? Yeah, my number my number six is actually one that we're going to talk about uh, later on. But um, it's this Verizon commercial that pays tribute to our nation's heroes. Yeah, and yeah. I I really I really like that one too. So those are my honorable mentions, ten through six, and. Uh, and then I, I got I got a couple that are most most of the ones that are uh, in my top five are actually just really funny ones. So uh, the the one about the heroes is the only one that's really like really sentimental. But they did have some good sentimental stuff. Like I think um, I think Suave or Olay, one of those products, had this concept of um, kicking gender roles to the curb. Okay. And that one, that one was pretty empowering. I liked that, but uh, most most of the stuff that I found very entertaining was the 
the funny stuff. I just I needed a laugh, and I got a laugh from these other commercials. So very good. Um, Anyways, long story short, I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, so my honorable mentions go as follows. Um, the first one, which is included in your list, um, the Cheetos one. I, with the exception of maybe one or two, there there's all of mine on all the nine or whatever of my list are the ones that are like. How much did this make me laugh? And this one made me laugh quite a bit, especially when he's like, eh, can't touch this. Way. <laughs> it's, <so, laughs> it's one that makes you think, I'm like, I love that. That's really clever. The one that was unexpected for me, I kept seeing it online, and I finally watched it, it was uh, the Bud Light Seltzer one. There's actually two of them. But the yes. one where, he's in, where Post Malone is in a bar, and they're pulling like a inside-out thing where they're like, showing the people in his brain that are all working his body. <laughs> yes. And yes. all the people in his body have tattoos like he does. Like there's guys and girls everywhere and they all like look like him. <laughs> they all they all have posty tattoos. It's... Yeah. I saw during during the Super Bowl I saw the one with him in the convenience store yes. where they're doing the, where they're doing the same thing and he like trips over the aisles and stuff. That <laughs> one was that one was a riot. Really funny and that was really clever and uh, yeah, props to Post Malone. He sold it um because he he really was really funny. Um Well, the the the, the funny the funny thing is I'm pretty sure Posty actually does like Bud Light. Oh really? Like like in real life I'm pretty sure he's a Bud Light fan. And he's like been seen at concerts where in between songs he's sipping on a Bud Light. Okay. So it wasn't about the money for him. You know, even though he oh, probably I'm sure got a, it was about the he, money. He probably got when a big you get paycheck. celebrity endorsements on a Super Bowl ad, of course you'd be and paid the big bucks, but yeah, he, he did that because he actually believes in the product. Yeah, fair enough. Um, another one, the second to the last in my honorable mentions is one from Dash Lane, which is, I think, some kind of password service or whatever. But the one thing that I did about this one is the fact that it's hashtag relatable because apparently he's this guy in a boat and he's with like the the angel of death and he's taking him, he's like taking him to heaven and he's like, oh, what's the password? And he keeps giving him all these security questions, and he can't get them right. <laughs> yes, and it's so I remember fun. that. And one. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, I've been in this exact scenario. Like last time, I tried to log into my PayPal, it just freaking locked me out, like totally. I had to call them to let me back in because I just exhausted all the security questions. I couldn't remember any of them. It was just ridiculous. So that one really got my funny bone because you know it just hit hit me where it hurt sometimes um and finally uh the little caesars ad with uh rain wilson i loved that was really my best things in sliced bread and they're you know trying to figure out what could be better and the, the sliced bread factory they're all they're all in a tizzy um so that one was it gave me a good chuckle mm, that is that is a good one i did chuckle at that one but the the phrase "best thing since sliced bread" is so old. I I really thought that that phrase wasn't as pertinent or as relevant as it could have been or as it used to be. I don't think it is. I think maybe maybe this maybe this commercial just changed that. <laughs> but uh... maybe. But even then, I feel like millennials and Gen Z are going to be saying it ironically, not genuinely. Right. Like I think they take sliced bread for granted. I th- like if you if you want to say the next best thing, you're gonna be like, oh, this is the best thing since Vine or something like that. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think maybe there's a completely different like vernacular in regards to like how someone would frame a conversation like that. Like the best the best thing since whatever. Like I don't even think people say that anymore. I think it's more along the lines of, you know, I don't know what kids are saying things these days is I I can't even keep up with it, um, because I'm an old darn, man. These darn kids, these darn kids. Well, it's it's funny that you. Uh... That you you mentioned these honorable mentions because one of your honorable mentions is actually my number five. Oh, my my number five. I didn't want to say too much about it because there was one punchline that I was super super laughing at when I watched it. It's that Bud Light Seltzer commercial with Post Malone, and the, there's all these different characters that are like existing within his body. It's the taste buds. It's the, the nostrils. It's the, the stomach, you know, the, 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 they're all getting used to this Bud Light seltzer mango or whatever. And they're like, Oh, let's check in with spleen and see how he's doing. And he's just sitting at a desk by himself, bored alone. Nobody's around. Like, it's just poor spleen. And he's like, can I come up there and be a taste bud? And they're all like, no! And he's like, I love, but I... Sh-. I love the taste buds. They're like, more, more, more. And they're like, okay, taste buds. They want more. Give them more. <laughs> or when the guys up in the brain were like, okay, he likes it. Let's give him a smile. And then he puts on like this huge toothy grin at the bar that's like super creepy and totally not the way Post actually smiles. Like, oh my gosh. But it, it, it got even more awkward when he's actually in the bar, looks at his stomach, and yells, Yeah, shut up, spleen! <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, I was just I was just telling my spleen to shut up, guys. Because everybody does that. No big deal. Because everybody does that at a bar. <laughs> like, your spleen's telling you you've had enough. And you're like, nah, shut up, spleen! Poor spleen guy. You know, he's down there all alone by himself. Nobody likes him. <laughs> Not respected uh, by his coworkers, right? Exactly, man. How many times have we not been respected by our coworkers? Okay, like, I'm not gonna like go there. literally all the time. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, it's not like I have a holder grudge or anything. Um, but anyway. Okay. What's uh, What's your number five then, my friend? My number five is one that, as as I was stating earlier, really gave me a laugh, and I wasn't. I wasn't expecting it. And it was the Pringles commercial with Rick and Morty. Uh huh. <laughs> this one, of course, I have a soft spot for Rick and Morty. I, I, being as someone who just a couple years ago, I thought Rick and Morty was a kid show. I thought it was just a oh. dumb kids cartoon. And oh, how dear. much of an idiot am I? Because it's not at all that. Oh dear. Um, oh dear. But uh, since then, I have been well acquainted with it, and yes, I am in love with Rick and Morty. And I haven't watched that much of it, but every time I'll watch clips and stuff like that, it just just absolutely kills me. Well, I and, mean, you've seen as long as you've seen the episode on interdimensional cable, then you're fine. I don't. I feel like I I've seen the one I've seen the one where they go into the human body, and it's like Jurassic Park. I've oh yeah, Anatomy one. Park. Anatomy Park. We've talked about that one, and then yep. I've seen maybe a couple others, and I've seen the one where he's like, doesn't he like fight Obama at some point? Like, <laughs> like. So, so to me, to me, Anatomy Park is in is in the top five for me just because 
I I love Jurassic Park. And then to me, number four is the the season finale where he's going on and on about the McDonald's Szechuan sauce. <laughs> number number three is show me what you got because that episode is just completely stupid. It's like a it's like an intergalactic talent show. Show me what you kinda, got. Kind of like America's Got Talent. Show me what you got. And that one's hilarious. Number two is the one where they make the dog really smart. So smart that he, like, builds a machine for himself and, like, starts overthrowing the house to where the dogs have these machines and they, like, turn the humans into their pets. Like, is, <laughs> I've seen is, that one. That one's funny. I love that one. Where are my testicles, son? <laughs> <laughs> Not a kid's show! <laughs> oh, jeez, yes. Oh, I love it. And then number one is interdimensional cable. Oh, my gosh. They're basically just sitting down in front of a TV, and they're hopping through channels that are from other universes, and apparently these shows are all really, really stupid. This whole episode was because... The the guy who does the voice of Rick, I think, was was drunk in the studio one day, and they just put him in the booth and gave him a few prompts and had him do like these riff monologues, and he just went with it, and then they animated the stuff around what he said and just turned it into an episode. I've heard that like. That's what they do. If if it's if it's Rick and he's supposed to be drunk, or maybe he's just being Rick, he just gets drunk. The, yeah. the voice actor just comes into the studio drunk and performs the stuff, and they animate it like it's insane. The another another one would also be when they're trying to smuggle seeds through interdimensional TSA, and he's like, "I'm gonna need you to put this really far up your bum hole, Morty." <laughs> I need to stick it way, way up your butthole. Oh, oh golly, Rick, that sounds like it'll hurt. I know, Morty, but but your butthole is a lot more flexible and malleable than my old one is. So I, I need you to put two or three of these up in there, Morty, so that we don't get caught, Morty. I need you to put it way, way up there, Morty. <laughs> oh, my God. Not a kid's show. <laughs> not a kid's show. No. Not a, not a kid's show. Oh, but all that to say, I I did enjoy that one uh, as well. Yeah, great um, commercial. Uh, I guess we're to my number four then. Yeah. Yeah, I believe uh, so. My my number four is one that we've already discussed at length. It was the the Disney Plus trailer for the for the for the three shows. Um, I'm I'm really excited for all three of them for WandaVision, for Loki, and for the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And to get that kind of hype on Super Bowl Sunday was was really fun. So uh, that would that would be my number four. Nice, awesome, awesome. Um, my number four is uh, the one that you had, I believe, in your honorable mentions. It's the Hyundai Smart Park. Just, <laughs> just, the, just the seeing John Krasinski and Chris Evans and all these guys together. Chris Evans, one. that's who I was forgetting. Yep, yep. And uh, it's funny we were just talking about Captain America. There he is. He's he's moved right. he's moved on to bigger and better things like Hyundai commercials and Knives Out. He was really good in Knives Out. Yes. Have you seen that yet? 
Mm-hmm. 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 It just, it, it's out on digital now, so I'm like, okay, I've really got to see it now. I have no excuse. So uh, I think I think I caught it during like its last week through the theaters or something like yeah. that. I like, w- I had an opening to see a movie like a couple weeks ago and I saw 1917, which I do not regret. That was a wonderful movie, but uh, I still have yet to see Knives Out, and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, well, the the ensemble cast is part of what makes it so great. Oh yeah, brilliant cast and. Just the the nature of the characters that were written, like Ryan Johnson wrote some fantastic characters, and the the execution of it was just really really good, and the the little twists and turns that they throw you for a loop with at the very end of the film, you think you've got it figured out, and then you're like, oh no, wait, this part's gonna come back to get you, and I I. I know that my opinion may be a little sullied because of the way that I have said certain things about The Last Jedi, but despite all of that, I really do truly believe that Knives Out is some of Ryan Johnson's greatest work. That's great to hear. I've heard nothing, literally nothing but good things, so uh, yeah, I cannot wait for that. But getting back to the commercial, yeah, the brilliant commercial, so much fun. And also, I'm like, I'm wondering, like, how does does this actually work? Like, I I, I know it's a big gimmick, it's a commercial, but like, is this an actual thing? Because you know, it's it's an interesting concept, but you know, they totally sell it with. Uh, well, there there are some types of cars out there that will parallel park itself for you. Yeah, I've heard this. There there are some mini SUVs and some sedans that you just get to the right spot and then you take your hands off. And it uses the 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 motion sensors, kind of like the rear view camera sensors, to make sure that it doesn't bump into the other cars that are in the spots in front of and behind you. And you just release your hands, and it uses those sensors to guide itself into the parallel parking spot. And see, the, so, the thing is, I am scared to parallel park myself. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually parallel parked before. It, it's 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 a thing. I know how to do it. I've been taught how to do it. I just don't. I, I haven't attempted it yet. I'm scared to do that. But I'm even more scared to have the car park itself. <laughs> like I would be terrified to trust the computer mm-hmm. to do it because I'm 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 not like, you know, I'm not terrified of technology. But like, I prefer just like. If I have a backup camera, I'm still looking out the back window. Like I, like I don't want to trust it. I gotta trust my instincts. And well, yeah, because the depth perception is way off on those things. It is, it is. And sometimes it's you know it's not quite right, or you know you know the, the sensor doesn't pick up something. I'm like I can see with my eyes. I don't I don't need it. Yeah. Well, I got in trouble with a rearview camera one time because the depth perception didn't alert me to the stuff that was behind me until it was too late and uh, I was backing out of a parking spot at a gas station and ended up backing into somebody that was parked at a pump and so that that was a whole fiasco that I was not in the mood for dealing with all right on to your number three well my number three is actually your number five oh the, the Pringles Rick and Morty commercial, it just reminded me that I need to watch more Rick and Morty. Yeah. It's 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 been a hot minute since I've watched Rick and Morty, but when I was when I was looking at it, I was like, Oh, cool, it's 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 the it's the characters, it's the guys. I know all these guys. And then like as soon as uh Morty starts eating the Pringles and Rick jumps on him, I'm like, wait a second, what's going on? 
and he like pulls the face off and is like, just as I suspected, we're in a Pringles commercial. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, this could totally happen. Like, this needs to be in an actual episode where they find out that they're trapped in a Pringles commercial. Because if you can make reference to a McDonald's Szechuan sauce, you can totally get, like, a Pringles endorsement for an episode and just make the whole thing about trying to rescue Morty from the evil Pringles robot-making company or something like that. So good. And that it, and that's totally, like, a Rick and Morty plot, that Pringles yes. is an evil organization that kidnapped Morty, turned him into, you know, a robot that sells Pringles. Like, that's that's just a plot out of the show. Yes, exactly. It, it seemed like an, a, an actual plot that you would see in a Rick and Morty episode. And that was what sold me on the, on the commercial was like, Oh, Hey, this actually reminds me of the zaniness that I've watched on this show before. It's not that far fetched. This is totally doable. And it was totally funny. (laughs) Yep. Totally just taking a, taking a scene right out of the show, which is what you'd expect. Yep. Um, so for my number three, it's one that I don't think we've actually talked about tonight, but it was one, one of the first ones I actually saw. And then when I started hearing about it, of course, being a massive fan of Bill Murray and his work and his characters, Uh especially a certain film, probably one of the best films ever, in my opinion, um, the Jeep commercial with Bill Murray reprising his classic role, as the man who almost goes insane because he keeps repeating the same day over and over and over again, a.k.a. Groundhog Day, was brilliant. And they even got Bill Murray's brother, I, I'm forgetting his name, he's like one of the guys that like handles the groundhog. He's in there. They got the same guy that's annoying him every day <laughs> walking down the street. Like, this is a big reunion, and they bring it all back, and they do it in a really cool and interesting way and have you know this like recreate that movie and props to Bill Murray. I know he probably got a massive paycheck again, but um, having him back as uh, Phil Connors, um, just great. And his whole reaction like, oh, God, not again. It's happening again. Like, oh, God. Um, it's funny. As if doing it once wasn't bad enough. <laughs> but now you've got to do it again, and you've got to do it again in a Jeep. Right. He's just like... He makes a habit of just stealing cars, and then now he's like, oh, I'll just steal a different Jeep every day. Well, I'll, I'll steal a different Jeep, and I'll go on a different adventure. And I think that was the cool thing, was blending the Groundhog Day element with also making it seem like you never do the same thing every day when you're in a Jeep. Like, yeah. no, no two days are ever the same in a Jeep. And so they do one thing one day, and they go on another adventure another day, and it's like, oh, okay, so... Even if my life feels mundane and repetitive like Groundhog Day, if I get a Jeep, my life could end up becoming more vibrant and more exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was I thought that was clever. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> it's really I, good. I still I still I know this is gonna be I don't I don't know, maybe not unpopular. This is this is my popular opinion. The best Super Bowl Jeep commercial is the one with Jeff Goldblum and the T-Rex. The, nothing will top that. Nothing will. Ever. Like, that's Brilliant. still that's still my favorite Jeep commercial of all time. So Mostly good. Mostly because you actually have Jeeps in Jurassic Park, and you've got Jeff Goldblum back in the Jurassic franchise. Like, 
it all just came together at exactly the right time, and it was amazing. Yeah, they definitely learned that, like, okay, let's let's go back and uh, revisit some classic films. Um, they did it good with this one, but that Jurassic Park one is amazing because, like you said, it's the towel tie-in with, you know, the Jurassic Park Jeeps and all this kind of stuff. It's a perfect little crossover. It was. It was. That was a good one. But that, that the Groundhog Day element was a good one, too. I did enjoy that one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, so number twos now? Yeah, on to our, on to our second favorite ones. Um, mine is really more about the the cameos it's more about the nods that happen in in like everything that goes on in this commercial because they actually fit a lot more into this than i was expecting them to they crammed a lot of science fiction into one 60 second spot and that would be walmart's out of this world convenience commercial yes oh yes I mean, you get everything from Buzz Lightyear to the Pug from Men in Black to the Enterprise from Star Trek. You get 3PO and R2 at the very end of it. You get Martians from Mars Attacks, and you get uh, Bill from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Two Bills. You get, you get a couple of different Bills. And then you've also got um, Keanu Reeves making an appearance in this. Like, there's just all kinds of of different sci-fi appearances in there. Didn't the TARDIS show up at one point in it as well? There, okay, so this is like the second or third one that they've done like this. And this one had the Lego movie, it had Star Wars, it had uh, Mars didn't Attack. It the, didn't it have the Milano as well from Guardians of the yes, Galaxy? Yes, yes, the Milano is seen flying in and you see Groot. Um, but I think maybe there was a previous one that had, uh, had, uh, the, you know, the Doctor Who show up, maybe. I don't think they had, I think there's, I don't think they had, like, one of the Doctors show up, but it was definitely, like, the TARDIS, maybe. Yeah, I think, I think the TARDIS just, like, appeared somewhere in the parking lot or something like that. Yeah. But just the, the embracing of the nerd culture and using it to make a clever ad and being able to use all of those creative intellectual properties. Like, they had to get permission from all of those different franchises for all of those different types of characters to show up. Like, that's that's Paramount, that's Disney, that's 20th Century Fox, that's uh, Orion Pictures. Like, there's there's all kinds of different movie companies that you have to talk to in order to get all of this to work. you got to talk to the BBC in order to get Doctor Who to appear. Like, you have to get all of those licensing permissions in order to make this Super Bowl ad. Everybody had to be on board with it, and everybody was. And I was I was just very impressed with their out-of-this-world commercial. It was oh, great. yeah. So brilliant. So brilliant. So, for my number two, it's one that is different. It's one that we haven't, I don't think we talked about again. I don't think we talked a lot about tonight, or at least I don't recall. I, I, everything's fuzzy tonight. It's just, just the way it is. Um, but, you know, I do have a soft spot for Ellen DeGeneres. And even though Amazon mm. 
as as a company, I'm like, I, yeah, y'all getting a little too big over there. Y'all 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 getting a little too much power. <laughs> I, I I still love the Alexa commercials and specifically this one, where it's you know what what did people do before Alexa? We've come so far now that people don't remember a time when before Alexa, and uh, getting that uh, oh, Alex, give me this, read me this, and. <laughs> brilliant, some brilliant stuff in there, and uh, yeah, it's really, really funny. Each, each of them. Well, and I like the different variances of the word Alex. Like it, it wasn't just Alexa and Alex. It was like Alexandra, Alexia. You yeah. know, all these, all these different iterations of that name to to kind of drive home the variety of, of names that have been used throughout the years and also still still sounds somewhat reminiscent of the Alexa theme that you're going with. So, yeah, I thought that was good. I think the other thing that was really cool about that commercial was the the representation and the, um, what, what would you call it, the, the normalcy of having Ellen and her wife in the commercial. Right. Like, it, it wasn't something that was some sort of forced agenda. It was like, oh, they're married. Of course, this is going to be a type of conversation that they would have because they've got an Alexa in their house. They're getting ready to go run errands. And so Ellen just asks her wife, what do you think would happen? What if? And then you go into this parallel reality where you see all of those what if scenarios. It's not like they're trying to, like, like shove anything down your throat. It's just like, oh, yeah. This is a married couple talking about their speculation stuff, and it just happens to be a famous person like Ellen, and Ellen just happens to be married to a woman. Like, what a coincidence. Right, and that's the whole thing with, like, you know, the people that get so bad out of shape, you know, anytime, you know, because people rightfully so will go, hey, you know, could you have more, you know, non-white male straight characters. We have plenty of those. Mm-hmm. You could have, yep. you know, some diversity in here. And people are like, well, what does it matter? Or, you know, we don't want this stuff crammed down our throat, blah, 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 blah. We don't be divorced. Like, no, it it doesn't have to be crammed down your throat. It's just like acknowledging that these people exist and that yep. they live in the world. And you can do that, you know, in very mundane ways. Like, you know, just showing Ellen with her thing. And I think a lot of people know Ellen. They know she's married to a woman. Like, it's, it's no surprise. You know, right. it's she's, not, she's, she's, not a, she's, so- a, she's a celebrity. She's well known for this. So, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not surprising anyone. But also, you know, helps to show that, like, it doesn't have to be overt. It's just like, okay, this is a person and she happens to be married to a woman instead of a man. Yep. Like, that's totally yep. fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. If you're not cool with that, you don't have to marry anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's totally fine there, too. But, like, don't get mad that a film or a TV spot or whatever is acknowledging the fact that, uh, yeah, gay people exist in the world. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, wow. Uh, what, what is happening? <laughs> what a surprise. Oh, man. Okay. Well, on to our favorite commercials of Super Bowl weekend. Yeah. And mine is, is again, I think some of these I was just going off of how much I laughed, kind of like what you were talking mm-hmm, about, how much mm-hmm. uh, entertainment you garner from this. And this commercial was just the one that I found the most entertaining. I I wanted to watch it over and over and over again because it was just so funny. It was so well done. And it was also very... Um, 
culturally relevant, if you will, while at the same time also bringing in some members of the older generation and like bringing them into some relatability to our generation. And at the same time that you're doing all of this, you're also advertising for a chip. <laughs> like, I, like, do you realize how brilliant that is that you're, you're doing all of these cultural things. You're, you're, you're making all of this super relevant to, to just about everybody that watches it while simultaneously planting this idea in your head that this is the kind of thing that's going to be going on in your mouth whenever you eat a Doritos Cool Ranch potato chip. Uh, <laughs> yep. The dance-off. The dance-off in the old western town between Sam Elliott and Lil Nas X just made me bust a gut. It Get just made me laugh so hard because you have you have seen the idea of like you ever dance cowboy and then they like take their pistols out and they're like shooting at their feet to make them dance. But no, this is an actual dance off. Like it's a legit dance off happening in a western town and the song that they end up dancing to is Old Town Road. Oh my gosh. And so like you've got the 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 pop cultural reference with the the song that topped the charts for longer than any other chart topper in history. And then you've got Lil Nas X actually in the commercial dancing to his own song. And then you've got a, a renowned actor from the older generation in Sam Elliott. Yeah. Been around for a long time. Does a lot of voiceover work now. He's the voice of the Coors Banquet Beer commercials now. And oh, boy, you yeah. like got in a dancer and like did like a split screen thing and you're you're watching Sam Elliott do like these weird crazy kicks and leg moves and you're just like I know that's not him but it's still funny to think that it might be and like the whole time you're watching this go on you're also thinking about the western vibes and how this town ain't big enough for the two of us partner <laughs> and the only way you can determine how big enough it is for the two of you is to have a dance-off. <laughs> and then you couple that with the idea that all of the dancing that's going on is the type of dance that your taste buds will be doing by eating Cool Ranch Doritos. Boom. Like Marketing. They, got, they fit all of that. Yes, marketing. It, it's, oh my gosh. It was so clever and so funny and so culturally relevant. And, like, everything about it was just fantastic. It was it was funny. It got the point across. It was a little nostalgic. It got celebrity endorsements from people that would be recognizable from multiple generations. Like, everything that you needed to do to hit a home run happened in this commercial. I love the... I love the uh... Sam Elliott's mustache doing the wave. Yes. <laughs> Almost creepy, but so good. It's just amazing what you can do with CGI these days, isn't it? It is. Especially in a Super Bowl commercial. It's a freaking Doritos yeah. commercial. 
and we're seeing really? this kind of stuff. I love I love the the guy. He's got, he's got this you know this old west town. He's got like big old speakers like strapped to the side of his horse. He's just riding yes. along playing stuff. It's like, okay, this is absolutely so dumb, but so good. Well, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. Oh, God, the, the, the moves that Sam Elliott is pulling off is just so good. <laughs> it's so God. ridiculous. Oh, man. It's so ridiculous. The only thing that it was missing... And, and and I don't know if maybe they reached out and he just declined, but I feel like you should have had Billy Ray Cyrus telling the guys to go 10 paces before turning and dancing. I just noticed Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, he's he is in this? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Look, go to the end, or at least the version that I'm watching. He's got all three commercials stick together, and he's playing a guitar. He's up on the porch. Is that Billy Ray? Yeah, that's Ray? Billy Ray Cyrus. I know it is. That's Billy that? Ray. Uh, Hannah Montana's wait. dad. He's over there. Oh, man. That's what you know him for? <laughs> I just love to remember him like that. Don't you break my heart, my achy, breaky heart like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. But oh, he's in okay. it. He, they made Of course they put him in it. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, he, he's got Don't miss a moment. Live TV from 70 plus. He's got a beard and long hair, so he's, he's got a hat and everything. Now. It would be a crying shame if he wasn't in it. I'm just going to put that they come out there, they're little Nas, zooming in of each other. They're looking at the bag of Doritos. Make your move, cowboy. Oh, gosh, I got the horses in the bag. Horse hopping like lot. There's <laughs> a wave on the muddy black. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> is actually and the other horse looks at Sam is like uh uh I ain't doing that <laughs> new Doritos cool oh, ranch just got I... is that oh my gosh I think that is told you wow yeah okay yeah they needed to get Billy Ray in there they had to get him in there oh my gosh I love that commercial even more now Cause you had to get Billy Ray in there if if he if you're using Old Town Road you got to get Billy Ray in there, that's that's fantastic, that that's a that's a, that's a that's a nostalgia trip from a week ago that's hilarious. <laughs> oh man, well okay, so my number one or time for a time for a dramatic drum roll. Well, maybe not so dramatic considering we already talked about my number one. Because it was oh. your number two. Ah. It crap. was the Walmart, quote unquote, famous visitors commercial. And like you, loved it. Loved all the cameos. And they they went all out with this commercial. Just putting in Guardians and, you know, slipping in some Star Wars at the end. It always makes me happy. And, uh, yeah, just... In, an incredible like feat of like CGI. I'm still kind of like freaking out about like the the two bills like being there, like mm-hmm, how they mm-hmm. both multiplied him and then youngified one of him. Like just freaking blows my mind. 
Um, but that looked great and really funny and just all around. Just you know, it's like they're like watching movies. You know, now I got to go back and revisit the older commercials because they're really good too. Yeah, yeah. Walmart usually does a good job. Like some of them are more memorable than others, but I I liked how they pulled out all the stops. You know, mm-hmm. they they didn't like cut corners and be like, oh yeah, a couple of cameos here and there will be fine. Like they went ham with what characters they wanted to put in there, and uh, obviously they had to have paid for those licensing rights, and then they had to pay for a 60-second spot on top of that. Like, that's no small feat. That is no small feat to be able to pay for all of those licensing rights for all of those characters and pay for a 60-second TV spot. You can bet that Walmart spent over $10 million on that commercial. Yeah. Easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would I would probably, if you're looking at, you know, the direction and the cast and the crew and the CGI and the editing along with the licensing rights and buying the TV spot and all that stuff, it's probably in the 20 to 25 million range. Absolutely. And that, that that's no lie there. It's, it's incredible. Like, I can retire on $25 million, dude. Easy. <laughs> I, I could probably retire on $1 million. And these guys are dropping 20 to $25 million from their marketing budget for a Super Bowl commercial. It's insane. They are expecting to make that money back and then some because of that ad. Yeah. And they're, they're Walmart, man. They're Walmart. They got the money. Uh, they've got the money, they've got the locations, and you know the people are going to be talking about it now, especially the the pop culture, the geek culture, you know, that's that's now super appreciative of all of that. I mean, obviously, it was, it was number two for me, number one for you. Like, it's definitely acknowledged, and it's definitely appreciated that they would go to such lengths to publicize that part of science fiction and spin it in a way that seems relevant to life at Walmart. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And you probably do end up seeing people that look like Martians, depending on what time of day you go. <laughs> yep. And uh, tree men and uh, droids, stuff like that. Yep. 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 Very true. All right. So relevant on all fronts. Well, 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 we got it. We did it. We we talked about all of them, or at least all the did ones we, that we cared about. Did we do it? Oh, my gosh, we did it. Oh, man. Okay, well, before we go too much further, while we're on the subject of ads and stuff, I mentioned that one of my honorable mentions is one that we needed to talk about a little bit more in depth. Um, there, there are just some moments that you end up remembering because not because of the entertainment, but because you see a company that has the right perspective and they're putting that right perspective forward at the right time. And that's basically what Verizon did when they bought out a a one minute ad that talks a little bit about their new 5g coverage off the top. But for the most part, 
it talks about all of the things that 5G won't do. And they're exactly the things that the heroes in our community do on a regular basis. And to pay that kind of money and to use that money to talk about your community and talk about others actually is a really good move for you as a company too. Mm-hmm. because now people recognize that you are community first, that you care about the lives of those around you, and it makes them want to care for your company. So, yes, you did it for the heroes, Verizon, but you also did it for yourself, because now it's great PR. Oh, yeah, and also, um, while you're listening to this, listen for a familiar voice. I'm not mm. going to say who it is. I'm just going to say that... Uh, you know, it it might it might ring a bell with you if you listen closely. Well, we'll see you in sixty seconds, then, ladies and gents, as we present to you tonight's quote of the night. This year, you're going to hear a lot about what five G will do, how it could help firefighters see through smoke, connect ambulances with hospitals in real time, give rescuers new tools to locate survivors. But this isn't a commercial about what five G will do. It's about what 5G will never do. 5G won't replace the courage it takes to run into the fire. It won't make the decision to become an officer any less selfless or have any impact on what's required to put others' lives before your own. It can't take the place of bravery or substitute for compassion. It will never be the reason people make the choice to serve. 5G is going to change a lot of things. But luckily for all of us, not everything. You sent that to me earlier, and I watched it, and I, I was not expecting that. Because, we, you know, we're all hyped up on, oh, what's the biggest and funniest commercials? And you go to work, and you talk to your coworkers, and it's all about, you know, oh, that Groundhog Day one was really funny, and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. this one hits you where you live. It yep. really does. And I, I, I mentioned the voice that you hear. I have no confirmation of this. I'm just an idiot on the internet. But I'm fairly certain that was Harrison Ford doing the voiceover. You said that, and then just listening to it just now, it definitely resembled that. Like, I'm, I'm thinking back to, like, Han's monologue from The Force Awakens and what kind of resemblances it has. And I definitely do get those vibes, but... I went to the YouTube page to look at all the credits, and they credit the Pearl Jam music that they play, but they don't credit the narrator. So I have no idea who narrated it, but I'm going to headcanon that that was Harrison. It just there's certain there's something about the gravel and the stuff. I've, I've watched enough Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Blade Runner and all these other movies to know that <laughs> I think I can pick his voice out when I hear it. Well... That just makes it all the sweeter that this type of salute to to service people, to, to people that put other people first, comes from one of our favorite people. So Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it's it's just it's it's very heartwarming. And they have some really great pictures attached to it as well. If you want to watch the actual video, it's very heartwarming, but I love that like the first 10, 15 seconds of this 60-second ad are about what 5G can do. 
And then the last 40 seconds are about what it won't do. And it talks about courage and sacrifice and decision-making and putting the community first. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I, I, I feel like that, that dude from the meme who's, like, like crying in one panel and then, like, saluting in the other panel. Uh, that, that's kind of how I feel right now. It's like, I just want to salute each and every one of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I I give Verizon credit here. They're really respectful, mm. I think. I think it's a good yeah. way to, you know, you know, advertise your brand but also more more so pay respects to the everyday heroes cuz we we spend yeah. a lot of time talking about fictional heroes and you know, yes, those those have a place in our society. They inspire us, but uh the people that uh, are truly an inspiration are the real people that uh put the lives on the line every single day to make sure we're safe and to help us out. And whenever we make some kind of stupid call and we leave something on the stove for too long and it smokes up the kitchen, guess what? Those people are going to show up. And also, if your life's on the line, they're going to show up then too. We are not worthy of their sacrifice. Well, it was it was a really great opportunity to put things in perspective, even if it was for just 60 seconds. We now get to keep that perspective ongoing by rewatching that video and discussing it here on the show. Other people have the opportunities to talk about it and think about it now. Just remember to thank your first responders and your nurses and doctors and you know the people that take care of the community because a lot of times it can be a thankless job until you feel obligated to thank them for saving your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So... There's our little tangent for the night. And then you've got one more tangent on tap before we call it a night. You put the title for this segment in here, and I'm super curious what it means. <laughs> so I I'm ready to dive right into this because I had barbecue for lunch, and now I'm ready to talk about it as we close out the night. Ladies and gents, get out your hashtags. If you're listening live on channel1138.com, then go put it in the chat. If you're not listening live, put it on social media. Find us at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and put it anywhere else that carries a hashtag, because it's time for another round of hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Barbecue. Barbecue, 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 watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, this little thing it is nothing big, nothing epic, but it's something I've been wanting to do for a very long time, and I've been trying to figure out a way to actually do it properly. And I want it to be a recurring thing on the show. So if this, if this is successful, you guys enjoy this kind of stuff. Maybe I'll, I'll, uh, I'll bring it back. But I'm titling, or at least the, uh, the tentative title for this is Customers Say the Darndest Things. Oh, dear. And anybody that has worked with the public, whether you're in the hell that is retail or you've worked in a restaurant, you've worked anywhere where you have contact with the public, you understand that, yes, for to a certain extent, 
The customer's always right. You got to give them respect. You got to help them out. You got to give them patience. And ultimately, most importantly, you have to, you know, pay attention to the fact that they're paying your bills, ultimately. But there's nothing that changes the fact that some people are just stupid. They are just dumb. <laughs> it's just a fact of life, guys. It's just a fact of life. And I, I wanted to be a bit more tactful, and I'm obviously not being tactful about this. But uh, I mean, you you could be a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, I'm not calling any names. I'm not calling anybody out here. Um, you know, nobody's gonna get named on this thing. But there was one little story. Something that happened a couple of days ago that I feel like, okay, this is perfect. This is perfect podcast anecdote, and uh, I feel like it, it kind of personifies the uh, the struggle that is working with the public. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, no, no shame to anyone, you know, accidents happen, you know, thing, but yeah, y'all be crazy and y'all be stupid sometimes. So, Uh-oh. so I'm, I'm, of course, I, I, like I said, I work in a restaurant and one of my duties in the morning when we first open is, you know, of course, turn on all the, the open signs, you know, we have a neon sign, stuff like that. And then one of the signs is a big red open sign it's like three or four feet wide huge sign oh my and it's hung on the outside of the building and of course we bring it in every night because anybody to take off with it obviously right um, because people will even if they don't have any use for it people will just steal things if it's not nailed down so um so we bring it in every night and that means they have to put it out every single morning so i'm outside and i do this you know five minutes after we open you know because i don't want to false advertise so you know we've already opened you know there was a line that was kind of stretching out the door all those people went in there's a bunch of cars in the parking lot obviously kind of bustling getting ready to get into the lunch crowd here and you know this is like 11 o'clock in the morning and you know i walk outside and i have the sign in my hand and i'm putting it up and i'm hanging it on two nails that are outside the building over a window and i hear someone behind me go Hey, y'all open? And I'm like, what what do you mean? <laughs> I'm putting up a big open sign. This is what I'm thinking. Like, wh- why are you asking this question? So I kind of like half mumbled, half kind of said, yeah, 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 whatever. And under my breath, I'm like laughing, <laughs> trying to hide my laughter because I'm like, "You, dude, you cannot be serious right now. You cannot be asking this. And then... <laughs> But he didn't hear me, and he didn't see me laughing, apparently, because he asked me again, Are you open? Oh, and, I, of course, I have to put on my brave face, put on my my very thing, and turn around and go, Yes, sir, we are open. Yes, you may go in. And he did. He went in. No big deal. Nothing really to talk about, but it was just a the I- irony and just the, just the <sighs> ridiculousness of, I'm the hanging an open sign. Of it all. There's, there. I've already turned on two open signs. I'm putting up a third. I've literally got it in my hand. It's over my head. I'm hanging it on the outside of the building. And your at your your main question is, are you open? No joke. No joke. True yeah. story. Uh, it reminds me of that SpongeBob meme where, like, they're not open yet, and it says closed, and he's the guy comes up to the door and Squidward's there and he's like are you open he's like read the sign (laughs) except it's in like it's in like in reverse almost where it's like 
hey, are y'all open? And you just like turn around with the sign in your hand and be like, read the sign. You're joking. And that's a SpongeBob episode, but that stuff happens in real life. All right. <laughs> it absolutely happens. Oh, crap. I just knocked something off my shelf. I'm just not going to worry about it. Um, That stuff happens. Like, it is scary. Like, how uh, just <laughs> ridiculous it gets. And then. Like, there'll be instances where you're obviously open. Like, mm-hmm. there's people going into the place. There's an open sign. Like, that. that's a, usually a sign for, okay, the place The place is open for business. You can go yeah, in. Yeah, open. So People open the door so, and go in, but dummy. But then, then they'll still ask, like, are you open? But then there'll be other instances where the place is clearly closed. There's no one going in. The lights are out. The door's locked. There's a closed sign up. But then the question is, are you are you open? And I'm like, okay, this is definitely these questions just uh, kill me. Yeah, I I I can I can kind of relate. I I haven't worked in the food industry, but I, I do work in a in a type of service industry where I help take care of um, ATM machines at convenience stores. And part of my job involves money moving, so. Uh, I'll check the machine to make sure there's no bill jams or that the tracks haven't come loose, that everything is the way that it needs to be, that there's enough paper in the receipt dispenser so that when people get the receipts from their transactions, it's all good to go, whatever. And sometimes there will be people that that come up to me while I'm working on the machine, like I'm elbows deep in a machine, and they'll come up to me and be like, Hey, can you loan me $20? <laughs> what? Yeah, they won't interface with the machine, but they'll interface with me and be like, you got an extra 20 lying around? And I'm like, I will in about five minutes. You, you can you can talk to the machine then. <laughs> and then... What do I look like, an never, ATM machine? <laughs> we, we never move this type of money, but people exaggerate, like, to no end. And at one place that I went to the other day... Somebody was like, hey, bro, can I borrow a million off of you? Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, I'll split it with you. Yeah, seriously. Oh, my gosh. And then one of my one of my favorite things, this is, this is something that, that just, it gets old, but at the same time, it never gets old. People think that they are the first person to come up with ATM jokes. Oh, and- my gosh. And they laugh at their own jokes when they're, like, trying to be funny with me because they think, oh, yeah, nobody's ever thought of this joke before. Nobody's ever thought to say this before. One of people's favorite things to ask me when I'm elbows deep in an ATM machine, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, you giving out any free samples? (laughs) Okay, that's good. That's a good joke. It genuinely is. But I can imagine after the thousandth time, you're yes, like, please exactly. stop. Please. Exactly. You're not funny anymore. Exactly. Because each person individually thinks that they're being amusing. But each person as a collective asking the same question over and over and over again, you hear it for that thousandth time and you're like, yeah, I wish. <laughs> And it's just, it's so funny because I hear it to no end. I hear it all the time at any place that I go to. 
I probably hear it like at least once or twice a week, probably more than that. And every time, almost every time somebody asks that, they follow it up with like laughing because they think it's so funny to ask the ATM guy for free samples from the work that he's doing. I'm like, go away. You're not funny. Don't quit your day job to become a comedian, please. Oh, my gosh. But what's funny is the stuff that I'm doing there is actually great material for if I do want to become a comedian because I can tell stories like that. Wow. So looking at the positives, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You got to take the good with the bad. You got to take the money with the uh, with the bad jokes. Go on, take the money and run. Oh, no, that's not what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think that's going to pretty much wrap things up for this week's edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, unless you got any final thoughts to close out the evening, bud. I I think we pulled it off. I think this was a lot of fun. Uh, I always look forward to these episodes, you know, talking about Super Bowl and uh, all the shenanigans that happened in between the plays in regards to the trailers and things. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to all the Marvel stuff that's coming up, and I'm uh, definitely going to be rewatching some of these uh, new Super Bowl ads that came out. Yeah, we spent two and a half hours talking about the commercials that happened <laughs> in between a Super Bowl. <laughs> that's just, that just blows my mind. But if you want to hear our thoughts on those ads and on trailers and on TV in general – Go find us on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go find us personally at Zach underscore DFW on Twitter and Instagram and Ben Hart with no E on Twitter and Instagram. Spell that out phonetically. Go follow our friend Jake Damon on social media as well at Jake Damon or at Jake W. Damon depending on the platform. He's been on hiatus, but we're hoping to have him back real soon. Got some personal stuff that he's taking care of, but he is a part of our team. Want to give him a shout out as well. And if you want to listen to previous episodes, you can find those on StarWarsUnderworld.com. They are an official partner of the IPC podcast. And you can also find episodes on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, and on our primary site, IPCPodcast.Podbean.com. If you become a subscriber, you have access to our entire media library, which is over 250 episodes deep, chock full of content, discussions, movies, reviews, and previous Super Bowls like the one we talked about tonight. All of that can be found at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Absolutely. Yeah, got a lot of good content over there. We got previous um, Super Bowl breakdowns. You know, they're old now, but still a lot of good content. A lot of good stuff to listen to for those of you that are Uh, on long commutes and have a lot of time to listen to stuff or maybe you've just got a free evening or you're listening to it while you're in your cubicle at work however you listen to this podcast we just want to thank you for taking the last two and a half hours out of your day for uh, letting us join your life for a little while and we hope that you're going to join us again next week on the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast when we get back into the swing of things discussing the last two Superman films. Maybe we'll find a way to consolidate that into one episode so we're not dragging this out. (laughs) But we'll be back with more Christopher Reeve Superman next week and then after that, who knows? Probably a top five. So if you have an idea for a top five episode you want to hear from us, go send that to us on social media. 
But that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the IPC Podcast. Episode 272 is now officially in the books. We will be having episode 300 sometime this year. That's crazy to think about. But that's going to do it for episode 272. For Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this final thought. Morality separates heroes from villains. And whether you're a hero or a villain, we hope to hear from you next week on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black. Got the bushes black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Nah, can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Riding on a tractor, lean all in my blood. Cheated on my baby, you can go and ask her. My life is a movie. Spend a lot of money on my brand new guitar. Baby's got a habit, diamond rings and Fendi sports bras. Riding down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car. Got no stress, I've been through all that. I'm like a Marlboro man, so I keep going back. Wish I could roll on back to that old town road. I wanna ride till I can't go. But then there was another one. There was another entendre that I that I saw that really, really intrigued me. But as always, for the life of me, not able to remember what it was. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's something about podcasts that just memory wipe. Well, it was it was interesting. I just I don't remember these things. You know, remembering I'm is like, hard, guys. It really is. I'm like I'm like wait I can do the 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 brain thing. Um, <laughs> that's a quote. Just, that's a quote, guys. I can do the brain thing, Zach Arnold, I'm, twenty twenty twenty. Um yeah, it's like it's like Rose Tico. I'm not very good at doing talking. 